to the kingdom community. Many in the body of Christ long for authentic community and a spiritual family to belong to. We exist to connect, equip, and send you into the world to fulfill your destiny and advance the kingdom of God on the earth. To learn more about us, please visit kingdomcommunity.global. We look forward to hearing from you. Well, good day, good evening, everyone, wherever you are joining us from. My name is Glenn Blakeney, and I am the founder and the president of Awake Nations Ministries and also the Kingdom Community. We're so glad that you guys are here. We have a special night prepared for you or a special day prepared for you wherever you are in the world. Our guest is Dave Hodgson, all the way from Australia. Dave is going to be sharing with us tonight. He is the founder and managing director of the Australian-based Paladin Group of Companies, which has interests in mining, energy, telecommunications, construction, IT, health, fitness, investment banking, and businesses in several nations. In 2007, Dave founded Kingdom Initiatives. It was originally called Kingdom Investors until recently, which is a marketplace ministry which is spread around Australia and to the nations. Of course, Dave will be sharing more about Kingdom Initiatives. Dave is a sought-after speaker whose lectures are presented at conferences, seminars, business groups, churches, universities, radio, television, economic summits all over the world. He teaches what God taught him in terms of how to actually see the favor of the Lord upon your life and to, to grow a business so as to see resources come in for the kingdom increasing influence and affluence so we really appreciate the fact that dave's here he's got an amazing testimony i know you're going to really enjoy dave's testimony so i am going to bring dave on we deeply appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us dave so welcome to the kingdom community oh i think you're muted Ah, here we go. We'll get you to unmute there. Sorry. There you How's go, that? Dave. You there go? you go. Well, that works great. Thank you. Well, Dave, thank you so much for being with us. And uh, we deeply appreciate that. I honestly do. I know this is going to be just a brilliant time of sharing. We look forward to hearing from you. So, Dave, uh, before you were a businessman, you were doing something else. You're originally from Africa from Zimbabwe, what is now called Zimbabwe. Can you just tell everyone about your journey? Yeah, sure. Good day, everybody. Um, so I grew up in Africa, initially in what is now Zambia, and uh, I was just a, a white black kid, okay? So I grew up with the indigenous kids, and uh, eventually I got sent to, to boarding school in South Africa. So I was four years old, got stuck on a train and sent off to boarding school across four countries, took 10 days to get there um, and 10 days back on those old steam trains and unescorted by the way, no parents. It was just crazy what they did in those days. But nevertheless, I did my schooling years in South Africa, which was a completely apartheid regime. And I was from a multiracial society. So that was very, very tricky for me as a little boy. But um, my parents eventually moved to what was then Rhodesia, which is now Zimbabwe. Rhodesia was at war with its neighbours, so uh, as soon as I left school, I was, I was brought back to school in Rhodesia, to high school, and um, when I left school, I was compelled to join the army, we all had to, and we were being invaded by two massive armies, and so we fought that war, that war lasted 14 years, I fought that war uh, for 10 years, um, of which I was in the SAS for four years, that's the Special Forces, and then I was in another Special Forces unit called the Salu Scouts, for four years, um, very different units. And the scouts were actually trained to become the enemy. So we, we learned to, uh, intimately about the enemy, trained to become the enemy. So we became terrorists, in other words, and infiltrated their ranks. So I did that for four years. And then for two years, I was a mercenary. And eventually I left uh, when uh, independence came to Rhodesia, it became Zimbabwe, Robert Mugabe took over. 
and proceeded to trash the place, the economy, not because he's a black guy, but just simply because corruption and greed and self-centeredness. So I left. By that time, I had a, a, a quite a large mine and a big fishing company, uh, two mines actually, one of them quite big. I left the country to come to Australia for three months just to see if I could sell sapphires. Um, and while I was here, I got accused of blowing up a squadron of British Hawk jets back in Zimbabwe, which I didn't do, but I couldn't go back because they were waiting for me at the airport and there's no justice system there. Um, so I never went back and left everything behind and uh, my plane went back. So I had to jump on the plane. I couldn't get into Australia. So I ended up in Singapore because the plane stopped there to refuel. I jumped off the plane and asked if I got to have a look around as a tourist. And they gave me two weeks, they let me in, and I got a job as a commercial diver, which I just lied my way into. I knew nothing about commercial diving. I wasn't a Christian then, so I just lied. And um, so I got a job, and they put me in the workshop, let me work in the workshop, and eventually I learned to dive by looking, reading the manuals late at night. And then I got sent offshore to Japan, and I became a commercial saturation diver for the next four years. And during that time, I managed to get my wife and kids out of Africa. And uh, eventually, after four years in Singapore, um, we managed to get into Australia. And uh, we ended up in Perth, Western Australia, where Glenn was. And eventually moved from Western Australia to Queensland after about five years. And this is where I am now. I've been here in Queensland for about 30-odd years, I think, 28 years or something. So here we are. Wow, yeah. And then there's more information available on your website. Quite a journey. Very fascinating. It's uh, really just like a, a movie. You should, Dave, I don't know if anyone has asked you to make a movie, but it would be quite something. <laughs> yeah, lots of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Lots. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Dave, you, when you came to Australia, as you said, you were not a, a believer. You're not a Christian. Uh, something happened. You got invited to go to a meeting where someone was preaching the gospel. Tell, tell us about that, please. Yeah, sure. So my wife, Merlene, was a Christian um, when I met her back in the Rhodesian days we got, uh, and so on. And um, so when we landed in Perth, she always wanted me to attend church with her. Um, I had a motorcycle business in Victoria Park in Perth. And um, so I, I went to church with her just because I loved her and didn't want to upset her, but I didn't believe anything and I kept falling asleep and so on. Um, but a lot of the time, every visiting ministry, you know, they used to, um, they used to, um, you know, try and call me out on the altar call and so on. And I never went up. And every time I got an altar call, there was a little squeeze on my hand from my wife and I'd pull it away. I just didn't believe what I was hearing from the pulpit. And I didn't want to be a Christian just in principle because I had to behave, you know, and be kind to everybody. And I didn't want to. So I ended up, um, you know, never going up to get saved, but always going to church. And then one day, uh, Reinhard Bonko was coming to town. And um, I think there's a, there's a, um, a, a, a bounce back coming through the microphone, Glenn. I don't know if you can hear it, but there's some commentary in the chat there about it. Okay. I can no, hear it. I, I don't hear back. it, but I'll, I'll mute it. Okay. I can hear it on feedback coming through. Anyway, uh, Reinhard Bonke was coming to town and Merlene hassled me and hassled me to come and listen to him um, because he was from Africa and she said, you'll identify with him and so on. Anyway, eventually she wore me down and I consented and I said, okay, we'll, we'll go there. It was at the Perth Entertainment Centre. So, uh, you know, big 6,000 seat auditorium. And um, eventually I agreed to go, but I said, if we do go, we're not going in any company cars because I don't want these motorcycle fraternity to see me mixing with you limp-wristed Christians. And then we, uh, when we go in, we go in last and we sit right by the back door. And as soon as the lights come on at the end, we're out of there. And she said, that's fine. I just want you to come and listen to him. So we did exactly that. Went in a civilian car and we sat right at the back and um, got in last and so on. And it was utterly packed. There was, there was after we got gotten in, there were already, um, you know, people standing only. So that was fine. And then halfway through the whole thing, Reinhardt stopped the show and the lights were all off. He can't see anything except one spotlight in his face. And he, and he just stopped the show and he pointed straight up to the back of the auditorium, right by the door where I was sitting. And he said, right up there, 
there's somebody, he said, there's a young executive in the motor industry. So this was in the 1980s. I was young in those days. And he said, there's a young executive in the motor industry. And he said, um, you're here under duress tonight. And he said, the Lord has knocked on your door many, many times. And he said, tonight could be the last time. So come now. He's a German guy. So come, come. And he's impatient, you know, like me. And um, he wanted me to hurry up because it was holding up the show. And I said to Merlin, gee, do you think he's talking about me? And she said, what do you think? And I said, well, I think it's a setup. One of your disciples is down there somewhere. Has dogged me in. Anyway, I went down and all the lights came on. Everyone's clapping. And I forgot that I was supposed to be clandestine. But I just went there to see if Merlin's disciples were down there. And there was none. It was all from Africa and so on. And that's how I gave my heart to the Lord, eventually understanding, wow, there's supernatural here. And he's fingered me out, you know. So that's what happened. Wow. Wow, that's powerful. Yeah, what a miracle. I, when I first heard that story, I was just like, wow, the Lord went out of his way to call you. You talk about, you know, really being called by the Lord. What a powerful uh, testimony, Dave. So you've already mentioned you were involved in business, but something happened to you. There was a point where just this just the favor of God came upon you and you were in debt, your credit card debt for, I don't know what it was, $75,000, but then your business just exploded and, and you made millions in just a, a very short period of time. Just please tell us about that and what you um, really attribute to, to that uh, happening so supernaturally. Or Yeah, sure. So up until... About 1999, I was a generic Christian. Okay, so in my mindset, my job as a business person was to fund the kingdom of God, which is such a broad, sweeping statement, but I was pretty naive and immature in my faith. And I just thought, okay, <clears throat> I need to learn, I need to make money and fund my church. And that was my extent. And obviously, you live by the Christian code of conduct and so on. And so I thought that's kind of really where it goes. Um, and I was on the board of my church. So I'd, I'd left Perth and moved to Queensland. I was lived, lived up in far north Queensland for about 10 or 11 years. So I was at the same church for that period of time. And my personal limit on business was always about $2 million in terms of revenue. So I was always able to create $2 million companies. And by the time I was at that church, I'd been in business for 22 years. And I had had nine different businesses since I'd left the army uh, in six different countries, you know, Singapore, Australia, Africa, all sorts of stuff. And, but yet I never, ever broke through that limit of $2 million. Um, and that troubled me always. But when I was in, in Atherton, which is where I was living on the Atherton Tablelands in far north Queensland, um, I was tithing, I was doing offerings, I was on the board of my church, and I, and I knew because I could see what was coming into the church, that I was putting the most money into that church, okay, by a long way. Now, I'm not bragging or anything, I'm just explaining what happened. So even though I was tithing, even though I was the biggest funder of my church, God never applied his favor to anything that I was doing. I was still a generic Christian and in hindsight, working under the cursed ground. So God puts various giftings and talents into our DNA, stuff that we are good at. And I'm an entrepreneur. I'm not a very good business person, but I'm quite a good entrepreneur. But my limit, my natural, what God put into me in terms of measure of talent was about $2 million per annum in any sector that I operated in. Well, in 1999, one of the elders of the church came to me and he said, you know, I had this vision last night and this guy was a very accurate prophetic guy. He said, I had this vision last night and he said, this couple came out from Africa and they stood with the pastor, Pastor Dan and Pastor Anne, and they built a mighty church together. And I said to him, wow, that's amazing, John. Now, Pastor Dan and Pastor Anne had left our church six months earlier to go and uh, to come here where I live now, 2,000 kilometers away nearly, to, to reconstruct a church that was falling apart, okay? And so they, they were here. And I said, and my son and my daughter-in-law were going to come down here and join them. So I said to John, yeah, that couple you're talking about, that's my son, Storm, and his wife, Shelley. Storm's a youth pastor. Shelley's in the music ministry. Um, you know, two good-looking young kids to go and help Pastor Dan. And he said, no, no, no. This couple came from Africa. Shelley is an Aussie girl. This couple came from Africa. It's you and Merlene. 
And he turned and walked away. And I said, hey, John, whoa, come back here. And he said, that's all I know. You deal with it. Okay, so that was the Lord giving me an assignment to do, but I never knew about assignment. Not many people were teaching um, uh, on assignment in those days. Okay, so this was in the 1990s. Marketplace ministry was, I think, in its infancy, not very mature. But nevertheless, I didn't see it as an assignment. And my head was saying, if you leave this church, it's going to collapse financially. And my heart was saying, gee, John's always accurate and he's, he's much more spiritual dude than I am. I should be listening. Anyway, my head took over and said, nah, this church is going to collapse. I'm staying. Well, the church prospered and I collapsed because God had an assignment for me and I didn't recognize it, okay? So I carried on doing what I was doing and the Lord steadily stood me down. Over a two-year period, he just dried up my business. And this is, you know, gentle Jesus, meek and mild, he loves us, all right? But he needed me to do stuff. He put me on earth to do something and I wasn't doing it. I was doing good things, but not God things. So eventually my business just dried up completely. I was dead set broke. I sold all my assets, sold everything, drew off credit cards to pay the last wages, and then jumped in my old Land Cruiser with my family and limped down here. The Land Cruiser was boiling. It took ages to get here. But as soon as I got here, I was in the church that, that the Lord had sent me to. I didn't tell anybody I was broke. I got a job as a builder's laborer. I was earning $5 an hour. And then uh, the, on the third night, the, um, uh, the third Sunday that I was here, Pastor Dave McDonald came through. Now, he is the national director of the Christian Outreach Center, and this was a Christian Outreach Center church. So he's a big shot, and uh, he doesn't know me, but I knew him. So he called me out of the audience, and he said, Dave, I said, he said, you, sir, uh, the Lord has shown me there's finances written all over you, and you will write six-figure checks for this church in the near future, $100,000 checks. Now, I was completely broke. I had $76,000 worth of credit card debt and no, and $5 an hour, which was going backwards because I had to put kids in school, pay rent, everything. So, but it was confirmation of the assignment. And suddenly I realized, wow, the Lord wanted me to move from that church, which is actually financially stable. It doesn't need me anymore. He wants me here where finances are needed for a much bigger assignment, which I didn't know at the time, but at least it was confirmation of what God wanted me to do. So I engaged in that assignment. I went home with my wife. She, she heard the, the prophetic word. So I went home looked through the newspaper, figured out where can I get, do something, get into finance. There was a finance broker, that brokerage that wanted one person. I went there and eventually I got that job and I learned how finance work worked and I was able to, to get into property development. And in the space of two years and seven months, I had a $100 million company and we were funding the church, you know, six-figure checks and so on. So the point being that as soon as I engaged my assignment which was when I went for that job, God applied his favor. And that means that the favor goes with the assignment and not the individual. If it went with the individual, we'd all be, you know, radiating favor and we aren't. So it only happened then. Now that was way, way, way beyond my genetic capability because I never got above two mil. Now suddenly it's a hundred mil. Okay. And that was supernatural multiplication. That is God's favor. If only I would be obedient to his will. So his will, uh, you know, obviously it's salvation. He wants everybody saved, but that's just first base. After that, we have assignments, reasons that he put us on earth. Everybody, not just me, all of you online tonight. So the point being, as soon as I engaged in that, he applied his favor. And now we're, we're a big organization and the assignment grew. And, and here we are today, 20 years later. Yeah, wow, that's so good. Now, everyone, if you just listen what Dave just said is so important. The favor is on our assignment, not on us as individuals. So important that we get that. You know, when we step into what God has called us to do, obviously there comes a, a pro, it's a process. We, we have to get there and the Lord reveals that to us. And uh, Dave, it obviously took you a while to get there. And then after that favor just started to cause your business to grow in such a significant way, um, you know, you ended up uh, having a vision that went beyond just your personal prosperity, uh, even though it was to help other ministries, the church, as you mentioned. And you started in 2007 what was known as Kingdom Investors. Just tell us about Kingdom Investors. What's the vision? What's, what was that all about or what is that all about? 
Okay. So um, that, that first incident was in 2000, the year 2000, when I got here and started funding the church. By 2004, my pastor, who was Pastor Dan, of course, said to me that, you know, uh, you're, the, you're funding this church, but we need the other entrepreneurs to help fund the church. What if you die? That kind of attitude. So can you start a church uh, business ministry in the church to teach the entrepreneurs how to do what you're doing? That was 2004. So I did that. I asked if I could change the format because typically the church business uh, ministries in Australia don't work unless you're a mega church. They just don't work. There just aren't enough business people. There's no cross-pollination or networking or anything. So I asked if I could change the model, and he said, do what you want. You're the business guy, and um, as long as you train people. So I changed it from your typical Friday morning uh, breakfast where you have an inspirational speaker and, you know, you're not taught much. There's no commitment to change. Nothing changes, and half an hour later, everyone's clock watching, got to get to work, and they get to work, and it's all forgotten within an hour. So that wasn't what I wanted. So I changed it to a nighttime, Thursday night, and I changed the whole model so that when we, we, we invited the whole church to come, everybody, and I knew that by then about 1% of the church would have been the true hardcore entrepreneurs and ones who can really live with risk, and those are the ones I wanted. So I invited the whole church with, by, by enticing them in with a five uh, with a three-course meal from a five-star chef who was in the church. I paid them to cook for everybody and a fancy guest speaker who was going to come. But in between the meal and the guest speaker, they had to listen to me for half an hour. So I had a captive audience and I taught them stuff that I had learned from the marketplace, how the kingdom operates in the marketplace. So I was teaching them differently than what we were taught on Sunday in church. Nothing wrong with what we were taught on Sunday. It's awesome. But I was talking about how it applied, applied biblical economics and what, what does it look like on Monday? And then I had lots of proof of concept, obviously, because by then we we're a $100 million company and more. So I could prove the point. Anyway, so that was a new kind of genre of teaching, if you like. And ultimately, then I thought next month, do, do this once a month. Next month, less and less people will come because they're not interested unless they're entrepreneurs. And ultimately, I'll have my group of about five or six entrepreneurs out of a church of nearly 500-ish. And that's exactly what happened, except that all the other business people in the neighborhood and all the other churches got to hear about it because business people network and they all started asking, can they come? So pastor asked pastor Dan, Dan, what do you want to do? These are all people from other churches. And he said, well, as long as Jesus is Lord at their church, they can come. So they, they came and eventually the church got filled up. We couldn't fit them in. So we spilled over into, into other areas where we, we started chapters, which we didn't intend to do. Um, just the Lord was growing it. And then that that spilled out around the country and then that spilled around overseas. Uh, in 2007, it was named, we started in 2004, but it was named in 2007 as Kingdom Investors. Uh, Kingdom Investors is a very bad name because in this country, it attracts the attention of the corporate regulators because they think you're attracting investors and so on. So we changed it just the other day to Kingdom Initiatives, but we've always called it KI and KI has grown around the world. So ultimately, what happened was I was training entrepreneurs on how to fund their local churches. But in 2011, the assignment, you know, the audience started to change over the years. So by 2011, I was looking at this audience thinking, hang on, these are not just entrepreneurs. We've got mum and dads here. We've got employees, we've got young adults, you know, we've got homebodies. We've got everything happening here. Professionals, where's all the entrepreneurs? And I was out in the bush praying one day. I, I take a whole day a week, every week to go and pray, which is usually yesterday, Wednesday. It's, it's Thursday in the center of the world here. You guys are all living in, in arrears, by the way. So um, uh, I was praying out in the bush one day and I said to them, what is this audience? It's looking like a congregation. And I, honestly, I don't want to be a pastor. Lord, don't make me a pastor. And the Lord showed me, he said, no, no, you, I need you to create what is the, the world's first sheep nation, as in Matthew 25, sheep and goat nations. But I've never had a sheep nation and, and Jesus ain't coming back until there are sheep nations in order to separate 
the bride from the goats. And so we need a sheep nation on earth, at least one, but we need lots and we need a prototype so that everybody out in the other countries can say, well, how did you do that? How did you do this? And they will then follow suit. So the Lord showed me I had two years to work out what does it look like, how to define it, how to articulate it, how to create it, how much we need, et cetera, et cetera. And so I did that for the next two years. I studied what would a modern day sheep nation look like and and the Lord showed me the reason for the diverse lecture, the group that I was lecturing to is because you can't do it just with entrepreneurs. You can't even do it with just Christians. If it's a people group, a nation, ethnos, it's going to be the whole country. So, you, you know, you need everybody. You need to learn how to speak to everybody and not just business language. So that's what happened. And then in 2013, don't forget, this is KI. This is KI's assignment growing, and I'm heading it up. So in 2013, we launched the concept of modern-day sheep nations, and we called it a just nation, knowing that secular people would, would be on board. A just nation driven by a preferred economy, and it involved changing the culture of business in the marketplace, simply because business... Uh, small to medium enterprise, we call it SMEs, are the engine rooms of any community anywhere on earth, even the industrialized nations. So SMEs control the culture and the well-being, uh, the social infrastructure of all communities around the world. And so that's who, you know, I, I wanted all of these to come on board with this, this uh, just nation driven by this preferred economy, changing the culture in that economy. Uh, if that culture is toxic, it creates a lot of human suffering and social distress and human misery. If that, if that uh, culture is God's culture, a culture of caring and sharing in business instead of greed and self-centeredness, if it's caring and sharing, just like Boaz did, leaving enough on the table for everybody to prosper, if we operate like that in the marketplace, we will then eliminate the social distress, which is Jesus saying, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I went to jail, came to visit me. When I had no shirt, you clothed me. That's that what he was saying, get rid of the social distress and human suffering, because that is not the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom of the devil. And every country has that. So fix that and fix the root cause of that. And ultimately, we will have sheep nations on earth or just nations. So that we launched that whole concept in 2013. And of course, the buy-in from around Australia was amazing. And the momentum grew. And eventually, uh, you know, I was invited to come and talk overseas and so on. I didn't want to go because I simply, I just don't like public speaking as an ex-SAS guy. I don't like being the center of attention. I prefer to be operating below the radar, blowing things up rather than sticking it up and get shot off. But at the end of the day, the sheep nation concept grew. And eventually we got to the extent that it was so busy in 2017. I think I did 80 something overseas trips in 2018. It was 90 something. And I just never got over the jet lag. So eventually we said, let's build a website and go back and just try and find all my messages and film all of them so that I don't have to travel. That's the only reason there's a membership site was so that people could learn our stuff without me traveling. So that was KI doing that. But ultimately, we we're having such a big impact that, you know, lecturing at churches and teaching business people to change their culture, to think much more than just profit, to think also about their own community, the environment, all of the stakeholders in their business, and also nationally with the beauty of creating sheep nations. So we did that, and I'll just give you an example in Florida. I noticed there's a few of you from Florida. You might know Pastor Frank Lopez. We lectured at his church for three years in a row, just, you know, doing long weekends of plenty of teaching. Ultimately, Mike Pence, your former vice president in the States, got hold of Pastor Frank and said, hey, you know, you've got business people there that are really influential and can you bring them to the White House because there's an election coming up. We want to know what policies you guys want. These are Hispanic audience. Uh, and so these business people had become influential because of KI's teaching. So ultimately, we all went to the White House because Pastor Frank said to Mike Pence, yeah, well, we've got this Aussie guy that comes out and teaches us, you know, biblical economics. And Pence said, yeah, we know. We know how all of this works because obviously they do all their homework. Anyway, we all went, 100 KI alumni plus Pastor Frank, I think about 18 pastors went. And my good friend Dave Leslie, who works with me in KI, is kind of my 2IC. We all went to the White House and had dialogue with Trump's advisors and with um, the treasurer, Yavita Carranza, and, you know, she told us about how the, the, that, that administration created 6 million jobs in the Afro-American 
demographic and also 13 million small to medium enterprises, but they were running out of public policy to do that. They kind of reached a plateau and they knew that we were doing it organically. So how do we work that? So all that kind of stuff is what happened. And KI became a very, you know, really big organization now. There's there's just chapters on on every in 38 countries, I think it is, on every continent. And um, we have a strategy to reach tipping points for change in those small to medium enterprises so that we have tipping points for change in the whole city, in, every, in all the cities that we have chapters. And that way create sheep cities leading to sheep nations. So that's our little world. Wow. Amazing. Powerful. So uh, everyone, just to let you know, the obviously you see a QR code on the screen behind me. If you scan that, you get a seven-day free trial to the Kingdom Initiatives website. It's got all of Dave's teachings and so much more. Also in the chat, I actually sent a file there. You can uh, take that file, open it up, and also scan that for a free seven-day trial. So that's available to you. Um, but let's just talk a little bit, Dave, here, and we're just winding things down. Uh, we want to get very practical. We're in, obviously, a very unique time. And how do we navigate these these very volatile uh, times economically with inflation and everything else that's happening? What what would you say to the body of Christ, you know, really during this time? Sure, I'll answer that. Just uh, let me comment on that. That free trial, guys, the only reason we charge on the website, everything KI does is free. All the chapters are free around the world. All the traveling that I do, I've never charged. I pay my own way, pay my own flights. We run at a loss of about $3 million a year, and, my, and we pay for KI. Only reason there's 20 bucks a month payment on the website is because we're trying to attract the business people, okay, the entrepreneurs, and we want to create a movement, and that comes at a significant cost to us, but also the buy-in commitment that just to value it that's all and there's a whole strategy behind that okay so how do we navigate these times um you know the the issue is god has god has issues with what's going on and what has been going on obviously he wants change and if you look throughout history right from the from the very first enterprise of cain and abel you know when they came with the fruit of their offering the fruit of their enterprise to give to god as an offering that was the first enterprise mentioned so all the way throughout history the lord has engineered these great big social and economic resets because mankind wanders off track goes into this greed and self-centeredness this demonic economic thrust and drive for profit at everybody else's expense creates all this horrible social distress you name it you can list it everything you can think of comes back to that root cause so here we are in another one of those and they keep getting closer and closer together by the way if you think from Cain and Abel to the flood it was probably a thousand seven hundred years but from there to the promised land 700 odd years there's they're getting closer and closer you know uh, I don't have time to go through it all but essentially we've had a lot of social uh, economic rather um, resets recently from the global financial crisis to this one but they're getting around about every 10 years now so why is that what do we do what is the answer and the reason for it simply is because it's very quick now to change culture into a toxic culture and drag everybody away from the lord to the devil you can, because of the we're living in the information age and, and you know 12 year old kids can do it with with their followings so it's happening god doesn't want that he wants it changed to the just nation version the sheep nation version of culture and society so what do we do about where we are now inflation is rising you know you, you we, we've just got this woke culture this neo-communistic macro culture around the world you've got the great reset you've got so much going on that's just anti-christian anti-god in every respect and here we can we can narrow that down to business if we want to which is where the question is focused but it's actually broader than that so if you knew your assignment okay if you if you understand that god's overarching macro view for the marketplace of the world of all mankind is to create a just nation a sheep nation as a benchmark for to create others so we all fit in under that every human being even the church even the government everybody and individuals has assignments under that one they all contribute to it okay you might not recognize you might be in a knitting ministry and you might be the chief knitter of a knitting ministry knitting blankets for for you know freezing people in india well that's still part of that great sheep nation okay caring and sharing so 
where do you fit in? Where do you or your business fit in under that? And as soon as you figure that out and you do it God's way, which is where I'm coming to to answer the question. So God's will is your assignment. God's way is doing it righteously. It's pointless knowing your assignment and doing it and plundering everybody like the Crusaders did. Great assignment, go and rescue the Holy Land. You know, and they marched across Europe following the flag, the, the cross, which is what crusade means, to follow the cross. They went off to liberate the Holy Land, which is a great assignment, God's will, but they didn't do it God's way because they plundered Europe along the way and they set up, they killed people, trafficked their kids, Europeans, Germanic Jews, you name it. And they did all of that and they lost the war at the other end and lost the Holy Land for 700 years. So the point is we've got to do it God's way. And that's the thing. So here we are then in the marketplace today. We've got inflation raging along. We've got this going, we've got that going. What are we going to do? How are we going to prosper? And the key, guys, is what we call holistic capitalism. So you can go and have a look at any kind of economic or political idea ideology or framework throughout history, whether it's the little clans, the family clans that used to be, the extended family clans of the old days that developed into tribes, which developed into the city-states, theocracies, it doesn't matter. Then all the isms came, you know, capitalism, communism, Zionism, socialism, none of them work, not one of them worked because the same culture drove all of them, greed and self-centeredness. This is not God's way. So if we change that culture to caring and sharing and put, apply that on the ground so that when we look at our business, let's just say you're all in business, you probably aren't, but I'm, I'm a business person. So I look at my business and I see that there are seven stakeholders. There's us, the owners, then there's the staff, then there's the uh, supply chain, then there's the customers, then there's the community, then there's the environment. And number seven is the opposition, okay, the competition. They are a stakeholder in my business as far as I'm concerned. Now, I'm lecturing on this all over the world. It's called applied biblical economics, okay? So, and we prove the point. So if you do that, if you look after people, profit, planet, equally in all equal importance and priority, suddenly your business will prosper because now all of a sudden everybody has the ability to prosper and they have the, the you're working with all of their dreams. You're looking after the environment. You're looking after the community. You're not plundering everybody and centralizing wealth. And if you, if you do centralize wealth, no one else has got left anything left and systemic poverty sets in and, and wealth becomes finite, okay? It, it peaks and that's it because you've got it all. They can't make anymore. But if you make sure you leave something on the table for everybody, which means looking after all of your stakeholders in your business, all of a sudden we all prosper, we all rise with the tide and wealth becomes infinite. And that's God's way. That is why Boaz left. You know, it allowed people to glean off his success. And that way they all had money enough to eat plus seed capital to run their own business. So when, when Ruth Boaz's his wife needed high heels, he could go and buy them. If he had centralized all the money, there wouldn't be any high heels. And Ruth was a pretty shrewd business girl too. And she needed stuff. Everyone's rising with the tide. So we do that physically, practically within our businesses. And then inflation is irrelevant. To me, the reason there's inflation is just bad economic management. Um, it's, it's driven by greed and self-centeredness. And God wants that changed. If you change, then God applies his favor. And that's a practical thing. It sounds like Christianese, but, you know, here's an example. I used to, uh, when I first arrived in Perth, when I first became a Christian, I looked at what was going on at church, what they taught me, and I looked at what was going on in the marketplace. I thought, I ain't doing that. That's not how it looks. I better go and ask the Christians, my new friends. I went and asked them. And they said, oh, no, we don't do that. You know, Boaz did that, but that's not what, that doesn't work in business. What are you talking about? And I thought, well, how come God said it does? So I went and tried it and I had my motorcycle business and I knew that they, all of my employees hated me. And I knew that even though I paid them more than the award rate, they didn't like me. I could hear them in talking in the workshop. They used to call me this effing refugee because they thought I was a, a, a refo, which means refugee here. And they were swearing about me because I had come in as a refugee in their mind and I bought the business and I was now their boss. But I thought, okay, but what would God do? What would Jesus do for these people? And I thought, let's call them in and ask them. So I called them in one by one into my office and said, dude, what do you want? I know that you hate me. I can hear you saying that, but, you know, I pay you well, this and that. What can I do for you? What are your dreams? Do you want to be in management? Can I give you shares in the company? And this and that. And they, they one by one, they all said the same thing. And I never knew it. Okay, this is me applying God's principles, looking after my employees, all right, treating them as a priority. 
And they all said the same thing. The mechanics all wanted to be the, the best, most famous mechanic in the city. And I looked at them and I thought, really? Is your, your vocation, your identity? Well, it's pretty fickle, but if that's what you want, these weren't Christians. They were heavy bikies, you know? And so I said, eventually I got them all back in, even my sales staff, same thing. So I got them all in together. So I'll tell you what, why don't we go, we import the fastest, we were Italian bikes, Ducatis. Why don't we import the fastest Ducati from Italy that we can buy? And then we'll put it in the workshop and you guys make it even faster. We'll put a budget there. Then we'll take it up to Wanneroo to the racetrack and we'll race in the Thunderbike series. We'll start winning that series and then we'll take on the Japanese. And then you'll have your wish. You'll be the famous mechanics and you know bike riders and that you want to be. And then they said, wow, yeah, would you do that? I said, of course, let's do it. So we did it. And we, we bought, bought this bike and these guys loved it. And they worked on the workshop. Even their wives came and worked on the flaming thing in the workshop and ultimately we started winning races and then we started we won the thunder bike series which is all the european bikes then we started beating the japanese bikes first people in the world to do that and these guys became folk heroes and then they began to love me and that, you know here we are 30 years later we left birth long ago they still send me hey dave happy birthday love you mate all that kind of stuff. They, 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 nobody ever left the business. They prospered, they flourished. And it was just because we applied those principles. And that's what, if you do that in your business, inflation's irrelevant. Nothing else matters. God applies his favor and it creates the wherewithal for you to, to carry on and do your assignment. Wow, that's powerful. Yeah, okay. So Dave, um, look, we are living in, in a in very interesting time coming out of COVID-19, you know, those of us who've been in ministry and we have several ministers on the call as well on the Zoom meeting here. Um, some of us used to travel quite a bit. We're in a very unique time. Um, what what's what's ahead? I mean, I'm not asking you to to be a prophet or anything, but what do you think <laughs> is spiritually where where are we headed? And then. Any practical advice you can give for those who are wanting to, you know, just grow their business, increase in, in influence and affluence? Just let's just end with that. And guys, while Dave's talking, if you have a question, please send it in the chat and we'll conclude with with a few questions. OK. OK. All right. So there are two main questions in there, one being spiritually and one then practically, I suppose. Spiritually, guys, I'll come back to what I said earlier in so much as God wasn't happy with what he had. And therefore, we have to change and we have to understand the times. We've got to know what is going on in God's mind, empathizing with God to say to ourselves, so what? went wrong that we must change from spiritually okay so we're looking at it and we're saying lord you know why were you not happy with what we had so the the the, the philosophy has to be um is that god is sovereign over everything okay he's our creator so he's sovereign therefore he could he either engineered what happened or he could have prevented it and didn't both either way it means he didn't want what he had so if we, if I get a lot of feedback from the US and from around the world saying, you know, it was a it was a, it was a sheep nation, Dave, you know, when Trump was in charge and this and that. Well, it couldn't have been or God would have kept it like that. Okay, so there was something wrong. And I know what was wrong. It was driven by greed and self-centeredness. The United States economy, the whole culture is worse in my mind than, than the United Arab Emirates, where they build great, huge, the biggest, tallest buildings in the world to, their, to themselves, like the Tower of Babel, right, right where it used to be almost. So the point being the Babylonian culture, greed and self-centeredness, self-centeredness is what's creating all the issues for God. And we have to change that. Okay, so we need to teach on that. We, we, and we aren't, and, and we need to prove the concept, and we aren't. There's such a drive to go back to what we were, you know, uh, before, for example, the US election, and then followed COVID. So the, that whole thing all came together. Um, it was a massive cultural reset is what it should be. So let's just assume then that in the spirit world, God is saying, you guys, I want my culture running your whole world. And I'm going to keep standing this down until you guys get it and move on. So that's what I think is the macro uh, spiritual uh, world at the moment. And God, you think about this, man, you can go back as far as you like in the Bible, and you'll find the theme the whole way that in the desert, God came up with this 
principle of manna. And he said, you guys are going to rely on me for the assets and, and, the, and the food and everything, not the assets themselves. And, and this, this stuff will go off overnight. Well, what happens? Half of the people gather more than they are told to gather. Those are the entrepreneurs taking too much at the, you know, they, they, they think, well, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to rely on God. I'm going to rely on the assets and I'm going to take a lot for me and my family. Well, that would be at the expense of someone else because there was only enough for them. Well, these guys have taken too much. So God said, awesome, that'll go rotten and it'll, it'll, you'll stink and we'll know the next day who you are. Okay, so and, and that, it was teaching them never try to create wealth at the expense of others. And they never knew anything else for 39 years. And then they went into the promised land, which was totally toxic, taking this culture of relying on the provider of the assets and not the assets. And that is what God wants us to change, because that is the root cause of all the issues. And that's what the devil plays on right from the beginning. So if we're going to go now out into the marketplace, we've got to do that. We've got to fix that. There's a voice against that, a big voice that wants that to stay in, which is the voice of the devil manifest through people. So we've got to silence that voice, guys, as a broad macro principle, find where you fit in. We do finding your assignment courses. I'm right now writing a, a big course on, it'll be published on Udemy in about three weeks, which you can do if you want to, but it's all about finding your assignment on stuff we've never taught before. So if you're going to go to silence the voice, here's a quick thing we did. The voice, uh, climate activism, okay? Of course, we should look after the planet. God said so. There's no problem there. But this, this climate activism is destroying families. It's destroying economies. It's destroying people groups. It's gone way too far. And, uh, you know, it's a mess. And it is that far left toxic voice trying to destroy the, the developed world. Okay. And I, I'm not some conspiracy theorist. I lecture at universities and everything all over the world. Okay. Uh, so these are just broad facts. So what can we do? We need to quieten that voice down. We can take an adversarial approach and say, thus saith the Lord, and you know, you should be burnt in hell or whatever, which is never going to work because you just polarize people groups and they fight forever. But what if you prove a concept and say, dude, what you're doing actually doesn't work. Look here, you will be much better off if we do this. So coal mining, you know, coal mining, because it, it's, it creates greenhouse gases and so on when they, when they generate electricity, everybody wants to shut down coal mining. But if you do shut down coal mining, 300 million people will freeze to death in the first year. That's it. Families are gone. Kids have got no parents, all stuff. So we can't do that. Let's infiltrate. So we bought a coal mine. We infiltrate to remediate. Daniel did it. Joseph did it. Esther did it. Jesus did it. He infiltrated death to, to defeat it and provided solutions. The whole, it's a whole biblical model. I learned it when I was trained as a terrorist to infiltrate and change the culture of the terrorists to become our friends. It's all through Proverbs everywhere. So we bought a coal mine. As soon as we owned it, we turned it into, we, we had 70, we had to, you know, raise 71 million, took a long time, eventually we took over. As soon as we took over, we turned it in a coal to a hydrogen project. We now have a, a project that we're developing where coal is sucked into some reactors and then comes out as hydrogen and agricultural lime. No emissions because we're not burning coal. God put the coal there after the flood. That's where it came from. And he said, it's good. Well, we should use it if it's good, but we shouldn't plunder the planet. We're so greedy for profit. We don't keep the emissions in. We let them all loose and don't care, driven by greed and self-centeredness. So we infiltrate and remediate that project in Australia, which is now we've ordered the modules and it's all coming together, that will rescue the coal industry and the planet, 47,000 jobs. It's our second biggest export. And the climate voice gets diminished, 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 diminished into insignificance. Okay. So that's not everybody can do that. We're strong entrepreneurs. God applies his favor. That's our assignment. But everything fits in under that sort of modeling. And you just look for how do we deal with this? How do we provide solutions instead of adversity to what's going on? And it's in the solutions that you actually fix the problem and you, and you, you diminish the voice of the devil into oblivion. Yeah. So say that again, Dave. How do we find solutions we're we're diminishing the voice of the enemy obviously we shutting down the the uh, opposition really um yeah look, look at what they're shrieking about and find solutions for what they're shrieking about that's what i that's just that's how you win the hearts and minds of people back to the lord it's not thus saith the lord yes we want salvations we want everybody worshiping the one true one true god 
But if they look at the Christians as a bunch of hypocrites and perpetrators of the problem, they're not going to listen. They're not going to join us. We need to prove we are genuine. We do care, caring and sharing. We will be Boaz. We will be Nehemiah. Nehemiah didn't just build the wall. He funded the thing for the protection of the people and so on. You know, So that just goes on all throughout the Bible. We just miss the theme. And we can apply that to any walk of life, any, any part of the seven mountains. Right. So good. So a couple of questions here. Um, one of the questions basically is for someone who's transitioning into business, really, um, the, the wording is marketplace ministry. But what would you say for someone who's either starting, wanting to start a business or maybe transitioning into being an entrepreneur advice? Yeah. The first and most important thing, which you might not have thought of, is what is the purpose of the transition and the business? What did God want you to do? If you're just going into business because you're an entrepreneur, then there's an assignment that you haven't understood and are not working on. You might go in and, and be reasonably successful like I was. I always managed to become a millionaire, but it wasn't what God called me to do. He called me for a much bigger thing and a much bigger company and so on. And until I figured that out, I wasn't going anywhere. So if I would say, guys, the biggest point is as a Christian, if you're going into business, I would be, I would go out on a prey day. And if you can't do a prey day, we should be able to, if you're going into business, because you're in charge, but if you're on wages, I mean, I would go out and, and sit with the Lord and Lord, what is your will for me? I feel that I'm an entrepreneur. Obviously you put that in my DNA. I can carry risk. I can do this. I can do that. I'm going into business. What should, how big does it need to be? What is my assignment? Do I need a massive business? Is my business my assignment or is my business just to support my assignment? You know, there's so much in that. There are so many criteria in finding your assignment. But if you knew that, that is then becomes your the vision of your business. So my the vision of Paladin Corporation is to create the world's first just nation. I can't call it a sheep nation because everyone thinks I'm sheep farming. Okay, but it's a just nation. That's our vision. Your assignment should be your vision of your business. And then everything fits in under that. How do we achieve that? Okay, we need to grow, we need four million in revenue. Guess what? But I but I can't uh, I can't micromanage it because, like in my case. I'm elect I need to lecture and teach. I can't micromanage business. We own 32 companies and trusts. I can't micromanage them because my assignment is to teach, but I need these. So managers, get managers in to do that. You see how I'm structuring it in order to, to go towards an assignment. So get that right first, and then comes all the hands-on business development type things with your business plan, your marketing, and everything else. So good. Yeah, so... From your website, Dave, it says the vision of Kingdom Initiatives is to activate Christian men and women in the marketplace, encouraging them to engage in their kingdom assignments and teaching them to attract the favor of God so that they can multiply their businesses beyond their natural capacities to fund their local churches and influence the transformation of the marketplace into the world's first sheep nation. Wow. <laughs> so good. Yeah. yeah. That's very that, well, that business, well written. Funding the local church is crucial. Um, Glenn, the, the spiritual covering that is afforded to people by the, the authority and the mandate of the local church is invaluable in the marketplace. So that was why, I mean, a lot of people would see that vision and think, why should I fund the local church? You know, what do they do? Well, if the local church understands spiritual covering and applies it, there's this symbiotic relationship between the business people or even just the marketplace people, whether you're in business or not, it doesn't make any difference. We can't know everything that's happening spiritually. Somebody has to have our spiritual back. And that spiritual covering should come from the local church, from the leadership. If it's a small church, maybe the senior pastors or so on. It's a big, big mega church. It will come down through the, the home groups or connect groups or life groups, whatever you call them. But it's a spiritual covering where they're going to pray for you by name, by your business name. And if they understand anything prophetically about the future, they, they tell you that's coming from the church. But that needs to be a strong covering not a weak covering. Therefore, you must, if your gift is finance, you would finance it to make it strong. If your gift was singing, you would sing for it to make it strong. There's nothing worse than having a weak 
covering, just like Moses when, when he sent Joshua to go and take on the Amalekites at Rephidim. This is a slave army going against the SAS, the special forces. You know, the Amalekites were the special forces of the day. They actually overran Egypt in the end and became pharaohs. And Joshua's got to go and fight them with a bunch of slaves. But Moses said, I will cover you and I will stand on the high ground. And you've got this incredible spiritual authority. Well, Moses was a strong old man. But as he got weak, the battle rage got weak. As soon as his hands went down, Joshua started losing the battle. So there comes Aaron and Hur which are your, your, the rest of your leadership, okay, holding up the senior pastor's hands. And now that he won the battle at last light, he defeated it. It was at odds that he should never, ever have won because of that covering. It's the same in the marketplace with us. We have that from our local church. We have professional intercession, professional paid intercessors who don't work in day jobs. They pray for us and they pray for people all over the world. And it's unbelievable what they send us by emails and predict the future and watch your back. This is what's happening and so on. So that's why in our vision, the KI vision, it talks about funding your local church. And on our website, on that membership site, you can see where the, we call it intimacy with the Lord, I think. From, no, we don't. We call it um, a spiritual covering, obviously. That's what we call it. So, And I think there's three, two or three lessons on spiritual covering whereby I actually interview my pastor who understands spiritual covering very well because obviously KI has been in our church for 20 years uh, or, or 18 years and even interview professional intercessors as well. So that, that's why we have that website. Yeah, well, that's so good. So, Dave, on the website, which, guys, the website address is kingdominitiatives.com.au. Again, you can scan the QR code behind me. There's also a copy of it in as a PDF file, I believe it is, in the chat. Um, and become a member of the King in Kingdom Initiatives. I am. I've signed up several months ago and uh, have watched quite a bit of uh, videos. I really enjoyed it. But, Dave, what are some of the topics that are covered on... Uh, as if you become a member of, of Kingdom Initiatives. Okay, so the first thing we do on KI is set the, the scene for you so that you know what Jesus did on the ground physically. So we, I think the first, there's an introduction, but the first lesson is called First Century Palestine. Now that shows you what Jesus did on the ground from a marketplace perspective in so much as he formed a strategy the Jews were at their lowest ebb in history, starving, being plundered and everything. And it sets the foundation of what Jesus did. Why did he heal people for free? Why did he get the tax collectors saved or converted? Because he was trying to break the, 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 the chain of corruption, okay? Uh, all the stuff that he did was to do with breaking corruption, breaking greed and self-centeredness and changing the culture. Ultimately, he because the whole thing was corrupted, you know, crucified. And at the time he was crucified, the veil in the temple was broken, which destroyed the uh, the um, offering-based or sacrificial-based Judaism, a thousand years of temple Judaism gone, okay? So once you understand that, then we start teaching about all the other things, such as intimacy with the Lord. I've mentioned assignment. You can never find your assignment if you don't, if you're not intimate enough, enough for the Lord to hear from him, uh, how did Noah know how to build an ark? God told him, well, if you don't listen to God, you don't know how to build your ark, okay, and so on and so on. So there's intimacy, then there's um, spiritual covering, then there's all the, the business about being equally yoked. There's just lots and lots of lectures whereby we are actually in the head of the author of the scripture. What, is it, what does it mean, the transfer of wealth? What does it mean, the wealth of the wicked? What does that mean? How do the just get that wealth, not the Christians, because the Christians are a bunch of crooks most of the time, okay, literally, so often. So if you're just, God's will, God's way, if you're doing it God's way, that is what just is. Therefore, you are eligible to, because God needs the wealth in the hands of the just if the, if the small to medium enterprise people are going to change the culture in his direction. So much in that. Anyway, all of that is taught. There's a series called Mega Ref, which is famous around the world. Mega Ref is an acronym of the seven mountains, media, education, etc. And it's a way when, when things are going wrong in your life and you can't break through and you don't know why and everything's trashing around, the mega ref is a self-assessment tool whereby you compare your performance in each of the 7M because we all live under all of the 7M. We don't all have to dominate there, but we all live under it because they are seven cultures of society. We're all in society. How did you vote? Government mountain. How did you vote in the last election? Did you vote for your hip pocket or did you vote as Jesus would vote? Or did you vote for late-term abortion? Did your candidates support late-term abortion, et cetera? 
all that kind of stuff we teach on our website. We are also bringing in new stuff like we've got on the website, uh, activating your assignment, which is very popular, but it doesn't go far enough. Okay, so that's why, as I said in the beginning there, we're putting together a very, very comprehensive course called Finding Your Assignment, which will be on the Udemy platform soon. If you guys are on our mailing list, we'll ma we always mail out, we tell everybody what we're doing every week. Our team here is telling folks, okay, we've got a webinar, free this or free that, or go to Udemy and you'll find this course. So, but you need to be on our mailing list. So just email support at kingdominitiatives.com.au and say, please put me on the mailing list. If you don't want to go to the website, just get on the mailing list. We've got chapters all over the US, all over the world. You might want to visit them as well. That free. Wow, great. So that email address is support at kingdominitiatives.com.au if you want to yeah. get on the mailing list, right? Yeah. Um, brilliant. So, um, guys, again, I want to just encourage you, this is something that's going to help you. Clearly, for us to be able to prosper and have access to the resources that the Lord wants, there's a few things here just in summary, and, and please help me with this, Dave. If I miss something, number one, we need to know our assignment because our favor is on our assignment, not just on us. Um, so in order to know our assignment, really, there's, there's this whole process, but we have to really be able to hear from the Lord. That's so important. And then, of course, that favor will do things that uh, strategy and, and, you know, things that we learn in the natural to be able to scale business. It will do things. We still do those things, but the favor of God just does supernatural things. So uh, learn, keep learning. And you can go to uh, KI's website and become a member, get access to all of these resources, kingdominitiatives.com.au. We also have um, a program in place that I think actually would really complement, well, actually Kingdom Initiatives complement what we're doing. And uh, it's, it's called On Track. And on track is helping you to really move forward to kind of see the big picture of where you are in terms of your journey with the Lord. And then uh, to connect with the community because we are the kingdom community. And you can learn more about that. And uh, our, really our goal is to see you transformed in the person God has created you to be, empower you to fulfill your assignment and make your ultimate contribution toward advancing the kingdom of God. And as Dave so aptly stated, seeing uh, corruption just basically eradicated and sheep nations on the earth and then ultimately preparing you to finish well and leave a lasting legacy. So uh, you can go to kingdomcommunity.global and learn more about that, guys. We are starting in early July. We have another uh, mastermind session coming up the end of this month, and we'd love for you to be part of that if you're on our list you can do that. Check out kingdomcommunity.tv as well. We've got lots of content on there. Dave, any closing words that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, sure. Be encouraged, guys. Don't think that the world's coming to an end on Friday at 4 p.m. and all that kind of stuff. You know, be encouraged because this is, it's awesome. When there's all this adversity going on, it's actually a good thing because God's in action doing stuff. Everything he does, he does through people, which is you and I, especially if you're doing your assignments. And don't be worried about the cancel culture. You know, uh, I know a lot of people, I get emails from people all over the world, and so does my team saying, oh, the cancel culture, this again, same thing infiltrate and remediate as soon as we saw what was going on i directed one of my we've got a big it company i said dude we need a video conferencing platform like zoom but better cheaper bigger we can have a million people online at once all this sort of stuff which can't be cancelled because we own it and we don't use then their infrastructure we use ours so there are kingdom initiatives coming through that are, you know, that are will take over all these toxic areas that the enemy that we've let the enemy get his hands on, which is the voice of the, the conservative voice or the Christian voice, the kingdom voice, if you like, that's being shut down. Well, we we're opening it back up. So don't be discouraged. That don't think what you see in the media is what's going on on the ground. We are building, and we're not the only ones in the world. There's lots of leaders in the business world, captains of industry doing what we're doing, and then there's everybody else doing a whole lot of stuff as well. We're just trying to coordinate it so that we come under one massive vision and create a movement to change culture from the toxic to the 
kingdom. And that's literally, and it's happening. The movement is massive around the world. I don't get any sleep. I just took many time zones. I don't know why God didn't make a world flat. We could all work in one time zone and we could all get some sleep. But it doesn't happen that way. So it, I'm just saying, be encouraged, guys. It's entirely doable to create a sheep nation, and we will do it because Jesus ain't coming back until it's done. Wow. So good. Yeah. And I, I just love what you said, David, about what you've created, your version of Zoom or whatever that is. I'd love to know more about that. You know, during the pandemic, that's one of the things the Lord put in my heart. We're dealing with the cancel culture, Web 3.0, all that stuff. So we launched uh, Kingdom Community Television, which uh, there's really no one censoring us because we put on what we want. And, uh, you know, if you've been on Facebook or YouTube, I myself even recently have had my stuff flagged for whatever reason. I have no idea. Just sharing the gospel. And uh, yeah, so these this is the way of the future. And I love to hear uh, people that think that way, Dave, and are doing what you're doing. That's so encouraging. So bless you guys. Thank you so much for joining us. We um, did give you opportunity to ask some questions. Some of the questions, I think was there was one or two that was more like financial advice. Should I invest in this or should I invest in that? I don't think that's appropriate for us to ask uh dave and but i definitely want to encourage you to go check out the website again kingdominitiatives.com.au and become a member check out kingdomcommunity.global our on track um, initiative as well i really believe it will help you guys we have another um, zoom meeting at the end of this month we have uh, an incredible prophetic person who ministers around the world and ministers to government leaders she's going to be sharing on the importance of hearing the voice of God and walking into the will of God in these seasons and times that we live in. And then early July, we launch on track and uh, it's going to really help shift you guys. Again, I want to just encourage you just to check it out. Go to kingdomcommunity.global. Bless you. Thank you so much for being with us. Again, our guest has been all the way from Australia, Dave Hodgson of Kingdom Initiatives. Thank you so much, Dave. It was really an honor uh, for us to have you and such a blessing. My pleasure. God bless you guys. God bless. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day, great evening, wherever you are in the world. Blessings.